This is an ABC podcast. It must be one of the most disturbing sights for a new parent to see a boy beginning to stumble, become weak and eventually to need a wheelchair. Girls, statistically, are not so often afflicted. I'm talking about muscular dystrophy, usually Duchenne muscular dystrophy, a genetic disease affecting one in every three and a half thousand babies. And you'd think that now, in the 21st century, this malady would have been dealt with. Well, some aspects have been. Spotting the carriers of the problem. The parents. Here's Professor Nigel Lang from the University of Western Australia speaking at the Occam's Razor Live event in Perth. So, I started doing human genetics research in July 1987 through a sabbatical at Duke University in North Carolina. The week I started, totally coincidentally, a breakthrough occurred in human genetic disease. The complete sequence of the Duchenne muscular dystrophy gene product was published, 31st of July, 1987. Personally, I think we should celebrate 31st of July Day. Why do I think we should celebrate 31st of July Day? Well, the Duchenne gene was the first human disease gene to be identified with what was called then the new genetics. The gene was found based solely on knowing its position in the genome. This complete sequencing of the Duchenne gene was, in my opinion, the watershed moment in human genetics. It took 120 years from when Duchenne described the disease to know what the cause was, and the answer came, finally, in the end, through the new genetics. Since the Duchenne gene was found, more and more human disease genes have been identified. Because of this, more and more patients and families can have a precise DNA-based diagnosis of exactly what genetic disease they have. Precision medicine seems to be a relatively new term, but in human genetics, we've been doing precision medicine for 30 years, and every patient and family given a precise diagnosis then have power over their genetics rather than their genetics having power over them. They have some control. In my 30 years experience of finding disease genes and diagnosing genetic disease, it seems to me that the three things a patient who has a genetic disease wants are, one, to know exactly what disease they have, two, to have a treatment if it is available, and three, if they consider the disease is severe enough to not pass the disease to their children. And it's this last one of the three, not passing the family genetic disease to their children, that I want to focus on. The first family I worked with at Duke University in 1987 was from Pakistan. That's quite unusual. North Carolina, working on a family from Pakistan. The head of the group I worked with at Duke, Professor Tipu Siddiq, was from Pakistan himself. The family was diagnosed with a disease which now no longer exists. The disease was called X-linked spinal muscular atrophy with hypertrophic calves. The reason this disease no longer exists is that we were able to show that the family, in fact, had Duchenne muscular dystrophy. 
the new genetics showed the two things were the same. Now, there were six daughters in the family from Pakistan. We showed that two of them were carriers, but four of them weren't. So Tipu contacted the family in Pakistan, telling them the results. He received a letter back from the father, thanking us for what we had done. The father's letter said that now four of the daughters could get married, whereas previously none would have got married. The father was really happy about this. Why previously would none of the daughters have got married? It was known that the family produced boys with a disease. So therefore, no one would marry into the family. Now, the two young women in the family showed were carriers would never get married. But the four that we showed weren't carriers would. That was an extraordinary and unexpected to us indication of the power of carrier testing. One of the issues with Duchenne muscular dystrophy is that before the gene was found, it was hard to tell which women in a Duchenne family were carriers and which were not. After all, carriers of an X-linked disease don't generally have the disease. However, there are some clues. Some carriers have elevated levels of an enzyme in their blood that is normally inside their muscle fibers created in kinase. And on muscle biopsy, some of the carriers show signs of the disease. In the 1960s here in Perth, researchers Patricia Kalis and Byron Kakoulis used this and other information to invent a carrier screening protocol which gave women in known Duchenne families either a high or low probability of being a carrier. The women in the known Duchenne families then used their probability of being a carrier in line with my third point, to try not to have a boy with Duchenne. As a result of what they did, the incidence of Duchenne muscular dystrophy in Western Australia was reduced, one of the first places in the world where this was seen, all thanks to carrier screening that predated any genetic understanding of what caused the disease. But Duchenne muscular dystrophy doesn't only appear in families with a history of it. The mutations can and do spontaneously occur. So around one third of carrier mothers have new mutations they didn't inherit from their mother or their father. This means that many couples who have a boy with Duchenne have no family history and only discover their carrier status when they have an affected son totally out of the blue. Duchenne is diagnosed clinically at around four to five years of age, but it can be later. By this time, a mother of a Duchenne boy may already have had another boy with the condition. Newborn screening for Duchenne could identify the first affected boy well before he shows clinical signs or a younger brother is conceived, but we don't have newborn screening for Duchenne in Australia. Instead, we too often see, in my opinion, another scenario in the diagnostic lab a woman in her 30s who learns she is a carrier only when her son is diagnosed with Duchenne. Every time this happens, we in the lab ask ourselves why in the 21st century should a carrier of Duchenne find out she is a carrier by having an affected boy? To my mind, we had a window of opportunity of nearly 30 years to find out that the mother was a carrier and warn her of her high chance of having a boy with Duchenne. The same applies to the hundreds of other X chromosome and other recessive genetic disorders. 
I and others have been advocating for carrier screen to find carrier couples before they have affected children for many years. The DNA sequencing technologies we now have allow us to sequence hundreds of genes simultaneously, so we now definitely have the technology. Last year, the Federal Minister for Health, Greg Hunt, announced that he wanted to see research into reproductive carrier screening in Australia. Thus, Mackenzie's mission, a $20 million medical research future fund project, was born. The project is led by Edwin Kirk in Sydney, Martin Delaticki in Melbourne, and myself here in Western Australia. We are charged with determining best practice to make carrier screening freely available to all Australian couples that want to use it. This would allow these couples to know whether they are carriers of Duchenne or hundreds of other recessive genetic conditions. Minister Hunt put a 10-year time frame on making this become standard practice in Australia. In WA, we've been running a carrier screening project since September last year, a sort of precursor. Our aim was to recruit 250 couples over two years. One year into the project, we had recruited 167 couples from only eight sites in the state. So well above our target. This suggests to me that there is a real appetite for carrier screening amongst Australian couples of reproductive age. We've learned a lot about carrier screening from this project. One surprise is the high rate of high chance couples we've identified. Out of the first 150 couples screened, we've identified six carrier couples. So that's one in 25 of the couples we've tested who now know they have a high chance of having a child with severe genetic disease. And for one of those couples, the carrier screening identified the reason that they had previously lost a child. Our WA carrier screening project is largely funded by a young philanthropic couple who themselves had had a child affected by a still unknown disease. The results are encouraging so far, but we still have a long way to go to see world best practice reproductive carrier screening in Australia. I hope that in the future, as more genetic screening occurs in Australia, there will be a strong focus on identifying carriers before they have affected children. And most important of all, that we will be diagnosing far fewer children with severe genetic diseases. Thank you very much. There's hope, reading the genes and giving due warning. Nigel Lang is head of the Neurogenetic Disease Laboratory at the Harry Perkins Institute of Medical Research at the University of Western Australia. He was speaking at the Occam's Razor live event in Perth, co-hosted by the Australian Academy of Health and Medical Sciences. The next challenge, perhaps, to cure the disease. But this, so far, is progress at last. I'm Robin Williams. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.